Yeah, they got Mason Rudolph again, and and all of a sudden they're Mason they're Rudolph the rock turned like into nothing. prime Peyton Manning, and now they're good yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to not only the second and two podcast, but 2024. We're coming to you from the new year. True. We're probably the last ones to wish you happy new year since we're recording two days since January 1st. But uh, <laughs> happy new year from, from the second and two podcast to you. And uh, I'm your host, TB, and I got my co-host, man of the year, 2023. Producer extraordinaire, Jody. Morning, Joe. What's up? Good, man. You know, like you said, it's the new year. I started off the new year on a bad foot. I actually went to work late. It was, uh, so the way it played out was I didn't set my alarm for that day. I knew I had work in the morning, but the way I do it, I normally look at my schedule for the week, set it up for those days, and then I'll do that every week. Well, this past week, I didn't do that on on the Sunday. So I knew I had work at 5.30. And I was laying in bed, and I was like, man, I feel like I've been here a while. Because, mind you, I went to bed at, like, 8.30 the day before. First time in, like, I don't know how long. I was like, I was just tired of falling asleep watching the football games. And so I was sitting there, and I was like, I feel like I've been in bed a long time. I grabbed my phone, and it said 5.29. I said, Oh, I did not set my alarm. I got out of my bed, oh. grabbed shorts, grabbed a shirt, started driving to work. Terrible feeling. And I was I was like ten minutes late, and I was like, "All right, well, what a start to the year." I was like, "Now, not only am I late, like now I just look dumb. Like, oh, this guy couldn't show up to work on the first day of the year on time." And mind you, I've probably only been late were, like three or four times. Probably thought you were having too good of a time New Year's Eve. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I literally was in bed at eight. Th- I didn't even get to watch the ball drop in New York. That's how early Man. I went to bed. Man, that that is wild because it should be noted you are in Pacific time. Yeah, that's nine that's what I'm p.m. Saying. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying I, the wow. last time I ever seen the time was eight twenty-two. And wow. you know, it, so I was late that day. It is what it is. But other than that, I mean, I guess it's been all right. I don't know. <laughs> How do, you, how do you how do you feel about resolutions? Are you big on those, or do you just set goals? I'm not. I'm not a huge resolutions guy. Um, yeah, me neither. I think I, I I made a joke the other day. I said someone asked me what my resolution was, and I said that I set my New Year's resolution on July fourth. Because <laughs> <laughs> I said, why do we have to wait for January first to decide yeah. we want to be better? Yeah, you're um, not wrong. That that was my my whole point. Which, not to maybe that sounds like I'm being a jerk. If you have decided something and you're going to stick to it and be consistent, like good for you, and yeah. I'm happy, and I'm not making fun of, uh, you know, a strive to be better. Yeah, uh, no, I, get I, that. I think what I'm simply making fun of is the idea that we have to wait till January first to do that. Yeah, and then everyone does it for a month or whatever it, mm-hmm. it might be. Uh, so I just. I think uh, on a professional and personal level, I feel like I'm always evaluating myself and trying to figure out what I can do to be better. So, yeah, I don't ever feel the need to – I don't think I've ever made a New Year's resolution, actually, to be honest with you. Um, Uh, I feel like I probably just, like, say some things, but I, like, know it's never going to stick. You know, it's like you just throw it out the wall and hope something plays out. 
you could just say a million things and hopefully you at least stick with one, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I, I just told myself last year I only read one book. So I want to read two this year. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That's something <laughs> achievable. I, I, I was reading two. I was reading the second book, but I stopped on the third chapter. So it was like, I might as well start that one over and read a different one after that. And from there. Yeah. I feel like the two, most common, the two most common uh, resolutions, read more and uh, lose weight, you know, work slash yeah. workout more slash yeah. be healthier, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's funny is I I told myself I was going to start eating better at the beginning of December. So uh-huh. yeah, see, okay, I so guess that was kind of my it. New Year's resolution was at the beginning of December. However, that was so hard during the holidays. <laughs> but I did kind of get, but not great. No, I get that. Uh, no, but, uh, um, do you listen to Nightcap at all? Mm-mm. Okay, so that's Shane Sharp and Chad Johnson, Ocho Cinco. Uh, I've call. seen it. I, I know what you're talking okay, about. Okay, so so I I've, I've added them to my rotation because they're. They go on nights that there's football, basically. So they go Thursday night, and it releases Friday, you know, so on and so forth. And they were talking about New Year's resolutions on the the one that they had on the 31st. And Shannon was basically saying the same thing as you, where why would you wait to the first? Like, you could do it in December, like you said. Get an early start on it, you know, something, mm-hmm. something similar. And then Chad Johnson was like, well, it's not just that. You need the consistency, like. Say you go the first and you're like, I'm going to work out every day. Well, you go that whole month and does it continue after that or does it fall off because you you, you did it for that one month, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so it's a little bit of both where it's just like the the determination to get it done and then actually fulfilling it. Two separate yeah. things. So, yeah. Speaking of that. the determination to get it done and actually fulfilling it. We got to talk about the college football playoff before we dive into the NFL. Yeah, yeah. And I would I just like to say that my picks in the preseason, I picked Michigan, Georgia, Texas, and USC. Those were my mm-hmm. – Yeah. I wasn't too far off. Swap Georgia for Alabama. Swap USC for Washington, right? And then uh, my, you know, we did we didn't record for a couple weeks. Had we recorded, I would have given you my picks for those games. I went mm. with Michigan and Texas. All right. Yeah. Texas is secondary. Just did not match up against that that uh, UW was going crazy. UW receiving core. So, but hats off to all four of those teams because they gave us They're two great games. games. Yeah, great games. That's the first in like a while too, I'd say for the fourteen. Well, last year we got two pretty good games. Um, the Michigan TCU game was kind of weird. Georgia, Ohio State was arguably one of the best preseason, you know, uh, uh, yeah. semifinal games we'd ever gotten. I, I mean, right up there with the the Rose Bowl between Oklahoma and Georgia. You know, in, I think it was twenty seventeen. Um, I don't even. I wasn't even paying attention to college back then, to be honest. Oh, you missed a doozy, bro! Double overtime. <laughs> For whatever the reason, the, the Rose Bowl is the host site of some really good yeah. college football semifinal games. But anyway, so we got, you know, we've really gotten four good games in a row in the semifinal. Prior to that, yeah, it felt like there was always at least one blowout. One blowout um, and then one maybe good one, yeah. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, we, we were set up for an epic national championship game on Monday. Um, it's good on good. 
You know, Washington has one of the best, if not the best O-line in America. They won the Joe Moore Award this year, um, which is given out to the best O-line. Michigan had won that the previous hey, two years sick. in a row, and, and Washington got it this year. They've only given up 11 sacks all year. That's like one a game. That's not even one not a game. Even. That's insane. That's insane for how much they, they run drop back pass. Uh, Michigan ranks 19th in the country in sacks created. I believe they, um, they're they at 38 when I looked at the NCAA website. I don't know if that's before or after the Alabama game. So after the Alabama game, they might be up to 44 now. Because okay. um, I think that only tallies your regular season sacks. So, But they're top 20 in the country at generating sacks versus you know top four. UW is is number four in the country at sacks allowed. Yeah, that's so a crazy stat. You're you're talking good on good. Michigan is number two in the country, I believe, at passing yards allowed. UW is number one in passing yards. You got Will Johnson, who's probably going to be one of the best corner prospects in next year's draft because he's only a sophomore right now. Versus mm-hmm. Roma Dunze, who's arguably, that I know everyone loves Marvin Harrison Jr. Yeah, but Roma Dunze, people who hadn't been paying attention, hope you saw that against Texas because this dude is legit and he's right there with Marv in terms of uh, top two receivers in the country. So you got good on good, strength on strength. That Michigan defense versus that Washington offense. We'll see who wins that matchup, um, and and then you know who's Michigan's offense versus UW's defense who can be less of a liability because generally that's been the liability for both those teams for much of the season. And I say that it's in comparison to what their historic offenses and defenses have done. Um, Not that, you know, the Michigan offense got it done in the Rose bowl to win the game and the UW defense got it done at the end late to win the game. So both these, all these units are capable of, of winning games. Um, Obviously, we saw both teams had special teams mishaps, muffed punts that cost them points. Um, Bro, for you both guys teams. got lucky on that one. Uh, yeah, Michigan certainly cost themselves multiple, multiple points there with the the muff punt. Um, mm-hmm. All the field position in the second half. You know, I kept talking about it during the game um, with the people I was watching it with. It's just hey, they're killing us in the punting battle. It's not sexy, but they're yeah. killing us, and it's gonna it's gonna pay off for them eventually if Michigan doesn't flip the field. And they never did. And finally, after a full quarter of those two teams just punting it back and forth to each other, but Michigan punting it shorter and Bama punting it deeper and Michigan punting yeah. it short, finally Bama got great field position at the end of that third quarter, set themselves up to to score and take the lead right at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Um, so it wasn't just the muff punt or the missed field goal or the botched snap on the PAT. I mean, it was a lot. They almost, almost lost the game at the end. On another muffed punt, if I mean, yeah. whether it had been a safety or a touchdown for Bama, would have been game over right there. Ball. I mean, um, so you know, I think both of these teams obviously want to clean up special teams, but you know, because Washington also had the running into the the kick catch interference towards the end that gave Texas great field position instead of being pinned, um, which yeah. allowed them to get themselves closer to the to the end zone for that last throw. That uh, really had a shot to win them the game. So um, this is, I think, one for the people who haven't been watching the Pac-12 this year. That the Pac-12 is legit. I've been telling that 
to everyone who would listen all year. Yeah. And no one took me seriously out here because it's the South. <laughs> and they're like, well, West yeah, Coast sucks. Sense. You know, everyone no, where just they thinks built, Was it Big 12? Is that what they care about? Yeah, I mean, in Texas, it's it's really going to become SEC country. But, like, yeah, here it's the Big 12 or that, you know, they obviously believe the SEC is the best. And yeah. generally, I mean, nine out of ten years in the last 20 years, that, you know, 25, 30 years, that's been true, yeah. yeah. But this year, it's just not true. I just, I mean, there's a reason there's not an SEC team in the in the national championship this year. They're not the best. This year, they're just not. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. Now, I'm not saying that the Big Ten is the best. The Big Ten top to bottom was terrible. At the yeah. top, it was pretty good. But then you even yeah. watch Ohio State and Penn State and in the, the bowl games. Off. They didn't look great. Uh, I, and obviously those two teams, you know, Ohio State was not the same team that they were at the end of the regular season with all the transfer portal opt-out guys. I mean, it, yeah, not the same team. But still. Okay, quick question um, on that. I know, I know you're going off on, on like different teams and stuff, but do you feel that going to a 12 team is going to just make that worse? Because that, that means they got to play at least like two or three more games to get to the natty. You know what I mean? So I am really interested. There's a lot of dynamics at play. The thing that people are upset about is that the transfer portal opens in early December, Mm -hmm. um, which is before the end of the college football season. But the reason it opens then (laughs) is because you cannot – you have to be enrolled. or something? Yeah. Yeah, you have to be enrolled at most schools for the next semester by early January. So if you yeah. haven't hit the, the portal by then, you're not enrolling in another team. And then you yeah. can't do spring ball with that team because you're not – which obviously is vital. It's a vital part yeah. of it. So stuff, especially there's, there's a lot of problems with college football right now. I mean, obviously everyone is upset about NIL. I think even players yeah. to a certain extent just because it's so <laughs> wide open. Um, I've seen the idea of a salary cap. I think that would be a good idea. Quite frankly, I still like the idea of revenue sharing with the players um, in addition to or instead of or whatever NIL. I mean, um, NIL was a really good first step into letting the kids make money that they deserve to make. But um, moving forward, you know, I I saw what Chip Kelly said. I don't know if you saw that, but I thought that was a great idea where you just just break – college football away from other division one sports separate them in other division one sports you keep your conferences you do what you need to do for for travel and stuff but like in football let's make it one giant one giant concept you play your regional the regional teams you know you have certain matchups against other regions yearly yearly the teams don't get to decide the schedule the schedule rotates itself uh, oh, that'd be sick. You have a legitimate playoff. You have players getting part of the revenue sharing. Like, and let's just let's go. I mean, you cap nil at a at a salary cap. You, um, you know, all the players get like some kind of equal revenue share. But then the best players make more in the nil. But you salary cap yeah. that nil, and everyone has their boosters who can, you know, put money into that. On but there's the, a cap yeah. on it, and then. You know, you, you figure out the biggest thing right now I think that sucks is opt-outs will probably be not as bad next year because you're going to have more teams playing in the playoff for. games. Yeah, 
games that matter. Um, So we'll see more meaningful, fun bowl games, essentially, because they'll be playoff games. However, the transfer portal stuff is going to be weird. Because as a kid, you know, it puts the kids in a really tough spot. Because if my team is in the playoff, but I know I want to hit the portal, Mm -hmm. I can't. Like, what I mean, what am I going to do? Leave a playoff team? Like, my team has a chance to win a national championship, but maybe I'm not going to play. You know what I mean? Like, I I know this place. I I'm not going to play here next year. It. I need to hit the portal. I don't know. It's it's a lot of weird, and I don't know that there's like a great fix to it. Just because the kids have to enroll in classes by a certain point for the next next year, and they need to be in that for the next semester so they can do spring ball at the new school. I don't know, man. It's a lot. And then you got the early signing period in early December. I mean, it. I am not envious of like <laughs> being a power <laughs> five head coach right now because yeah. you juggle. The month of December has just got to be like a terrible month for those guys. You oh, know, especially unless going you're, forward. Unless you're in the college football playoff, basically. And then yeah. it's just preparation. But, um, yeah, there's – well, I didn't know that we were going to get on here and rant about college football today. But <laughs> yeah, yeah no, there's, true, a lot but there's a lot of question marks about it, though. In my head, um, I was like, I feel like going to 12 is cool, but I think probably eight, maybe even six is probably a better spot just because having that that range of games is this year, way too much, you know? This year, eight would have been so perfect. Yeah. It would have been so perfect. I mean, because there were legitimately eight teams alive going into that last week in the conference championship really? week where it felt like, Hey, these, or at least eight eight teams going into the last week of the regular season. Because going into the conference championship week, Ohio oh, State kind of wasn't alive. Um, there was more like seven, but even still, Ohio State was good enough that like an eight team playoff where you go, you know, Michigan at one, Oregon at eight. You're telling me Michigan, Oregon wouldn't yeah. have been a f- really fun battle. Uh, yeah, Washington at two, Ohio State at seven. You're telling me Washington, Ohio State, two the two best receivers in the country. That wouldn't have been fun to watch if you had was you know, Texas, kept the, the same. Yeah, yeah. If you kept the same rankings, it would have been Texas at three, Florida State at six. You're telling me that wouldn't have been fun. Quinn Ewers versus, you know, obviously in a perfect Whoever world, like put up. <laughs> healthy, healthy Jordan Travis. You know, yeah. and, and if that was the case, maybe it flips. Maybe at Florida State's at three, and you know, Texas True. is actually yeah. at four or whatever. But I mean, regardless, and then. Four or five at that point would be Georgia-Bama. We already saw that in the yeah, SEC Championship. Yeah, we know true. that's a good one. That's a doozy, right? So, like, no matter what, um, I think what's interesting about that, though, is if you boil that down, the way the conference realignment worked out, that's almost an all-SEC Big Ten 18 playoff. Yeah, that's true. The only team in that that wouldn't have been that would be Florida State, ACC. That's it. Everyone else is <laughs> now essentially SEC we'll or Big Ten. Two. Yeah. Um, so I wonder how long it takes us to get to what Chip Kelly's talking about because it does feel like the ACC and the Big 12 aren't going to be as good as the SEC and the Big 10, especially if Florida State's going to get out of the ACC. Because if Florida State gets out, don't be surprised if Clemson, Miami but yeah, they get out follow. too. Yeah. So really interesting. I mean, conference. So Notre Dame was right this whole time, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Just being no, no, we're not. We're not going to say that. No, no, we're not going there. All right, don't don't start giving Notre Dame reason to puff their chest out. Okay. Um, 
But let's get to the NFL. Oh, the whole point of my conversation there, the reason I'm giving you that, I'm just excited to watch that national championship Monday. I think it's going to be a classic. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take Michigan to win. I think the way I see the game playing out in all likelihood, I think Michigan's going to be able to run the ball. (coughs) I think they may have some stuff early on for Washington defensively that uh, could confuse Penix, um, make it a little bit tougher, you know, at least for a quarter until he figures it out. So I could see Michigan getting up early, you know, maybe 14-0, but then Penix starts figuring out that defense and he starts slinging. Um, So I think the game ends in like the 30s. I think it ends up being close with UW kind of making a comeback after getting beat up a little bit early. I have a feeling neither one of these teams has shied away from a challenge all year. There's a reason they're both undefeated. They both face diversity and and come through every time. Um, I think the way that both these teams won their games was so indicative of their seasons. UW has basically played in a close game in every game they've been in. Michigan has dominated their schedule, so it's kind of interesting. So that's why I kind of think Michigan may jump out to a lead early but UW comes firing back I think it's a game that ends with both teams in the 30s yeah one score game in the 30s Michigan wins Michigan kind of holds on after getting up early that would be my guess so I guess I'll give you a 35-31 Michigan there you go yeah I mean I couldn't give you no prediction but I'm sure it's going to be a great game that's all I'm going to say you know also uh, I just want to give a day just want to pour one out really quick for our guy Mitch in Texas. Yeah. Sorry, bro. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay, funny thing is before we get to the NFL, the obviously they lost. And Johnny got a video, I think, of Jax hitting the horns down. Send that to him. Yeah. And then I was scrolling Instagram the other day and Kelsey Plum went to UW and I was and she had a video of her at the game after it was just like looks at her friend and was just like <laughs> so I sent that to our little group chat on Instagram, and then this fool later on in the day sends me a video. It's like a sign on the, like, like a like not a billboard, not that big, but like the ones on the road where it's like, oh, new housing this way, and it says like, you matter or something. He was like, man, I need this after today, and I was like, oh, <laughs> I probably put some salt in the wound with that U Dub video, but my bad, bro. <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> All right, so we're going into week 18. we got to talk mm-hmm. some NFL here. Um, we'll just run down kind of the big news and start talking about some matchups. Um, we're also going to do a uh, 2023 year in review, best and worst takes from each of us. And then obviously we'll get to our awards here. Um, so starting with the NFL news, we got both one seeds clinched, both conferences, Ravens yeah, and 49ers. Yeah. Clinched it. Ravens clinched it with a win over Miami. The Niners clinched it with a win over Washington. And then the surprising loss by Philly to Arizona. Arizona, yeah. Struggle bus for Philly out there right now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I yeah. I don't know what's up with Philly, man. They they not only lost any chance at the one seed, they they uh probably won't get to host a playoff game now. They're division, probably gonna right? be the five seed. Yeah. I think yeah, that their Dallas awesome. is gonna win as long as Dallas beats the commanders this weekend, they win the division. So, mm-hmm. so Philly, in order to win it, has to beat the Giants and, and watch Dallas Cowboys lose to the lose. Commanders. Now, um, Dallas is on the road. 
and they are a different team on they, the road. They're, Should yeah, be they're not the good on the road. So can Dallas exercise a team <laughs> on the road? Or will the, the Jacoby Brissett, Sam Howell, whoever starts at quarterback, get them? Uh, we had some referee well, issues. Dallas, I was going to say, speaking of Dallas, man, that those referee fumbled the game low-key at the end of the game. I don't know how you feel about it. Where I've got it. The... I've got it in my no-cap hats off for today. So we'll, yeah, I'm going to save that. it. I'm okay, going to save okay. it. So we have 20 teams still alive for the playoffs. A total of nine teams have clinched. Five mm-hmm. spots are still up for grabs. Four division titles still up for grabs. Uh, three wild, wild card spots, well. yeah. and then there's 11 teams who have not clinched that are still alive to get a playoff spot. So it feels like a lot of teams, still 20 teams in the hunt. Um, Crazy. In the NFC, we've got 11 teams alive. The teams that have clinched: the 49ers, Cowboys, Lions, Eagles, and Rams have all clinched a playoff spot. Yeah. Um, the Eagles and Rams, the Rams are a wild card team no matter what. They will be the six or the seven seed. Mm-hmm. The Eagles will either be the five or the two seed. Um, the Cowboys could be the two, three, or five seed. The Lions will be the two or the three seed. Yeah, 49ers, we already talked about, they have the one seed locked up. And then any one of the Bucks, Saints, or Falcons could win their division and be the four seed. They could mm-hmm. all also um, win or that the, last Not spot. all of them. The Bucks and Saints could get a wild card spot. The Falcons cannot get a wild card spot. The only way they get in is if they win the division. Um. The Packers, the Seahawks, the Saints, the Vikings, and then the Falcons are all still alive. Those first four teams being alive for a wild card spot. Um, the Saints and obviously the Falcons being alive for the division. The Saints are still technically alive for a wild card as well. Um, in the AFC, still got nine teams alive. All right, you've got the Ravens, the Dolphins, the Chiefs, and the Browns have all clinched. Um, yeah. The Ravens. Are the one seed, the Dolphins are the yep. two seed, the Chiefs are the three seed, well, the Browns are the five seed. Can't um, the Dolphins still lose it this weekend versus yes, the Bills? The Dolphins could okay. lose the division and become the sixth seed. Um, I think the Browns are locked into fifth. So the Dolphins okay. will either be two or six. Um, the Chiefs are locked in at three, I believe. And then the Jaguars, yeah, Colts, yeah. and Texans like could all still win. Yeah, the, the Jaguars, the Colts, and Texans could all still win the division and end up as the four seed. Um, mm-hmm. The Jaguars have the best shot to do it. As long as they beat the Titans, they are the four seed. Yeah, they were chilling. Now, the most interesting team of the entire weekend to me is the Bills. Because if the Steelers win and then Colts-Texans doesn't end in a tie, which feels likely, the Ravens have the one seed locked up they're probably not going to play anyone against the Steelers the Steelers yeah. are playing for their playoff lives Tomlin yeah. is really good he has a 5-0 and record in the last three years in week 17 and 18 Jeez. he's been fantastic <laughs> in this spot so I expect the Steelers to win yeah I expect Colts Texans to be a great game but I don't expect it to be a tie as long as those two things happen the Bills would be playing for their playoff lives against the Dolphins. The Bills either win the, if that happens on Sunday night football, the Bills either win the division and get the two seed, or they lose and they're out of the playoffs entirely. That's crazy. If the Steelers win? Yep. If the Steelers win, mm. the Colts Texans doesn't end in a tie. Because what happens is the Steelers 
by virtue of, I think, conference record, win the tiebreaker over the oh. Bills to get in. Okay. Um, so the Steelers' path to the playoffs, they need a win and either a loss by the Bills or the Jaguars. Um, okay. If the Jaguars lose, then uh, I think what happens is they're in uh, and like the Jags and Bills, it goes down to a tiebreaker or something. I, I can't remember exactly how that works, but I just know the Steelers, they're in with a win and a loss by either one of those two teams. Okay. So that, that Dolphins-Bills game on Sunday Night Football is not only for the division, but it could for be playoffs. a winner-out situation for the Bills. Dang. That's tough. Yeah. We could imagine – could you imagine a world where the way the Bills are playing, now they get a home and game against the Dolphins. Yeah. Or no, they, they got to go to Miami. Well, they got on the sorry. road. But it's a night yeah. game. Which It's a night game a at Miami. Um, if they can't win that game on the road against Miami – that they would just be out. We just wouldn't even have Josh Allen in the playoffs this year. I think every AFC team would be like, (laughs) like, like sweet. We don't have to see those guys. I I really think that's how every AFC team would feel. And it's crazy because the bills have won. Like, what is it? Like five in a row? Four in a row. They were were six and six and now they're 10 and six. So they have won four in a row, um, which is just insane. So, yeah, I mean, based on so based on all that, I went to ESPN and looked at what are the most likely matchups outcomes. Um, okay. So what's funny is if you look in the AFC, the most likely two seed is the Bills. You know who the okay. most likely seven seed is? The Steelers, I see. The Bills. <laughs> <laughs> so they actually have the highest percentage chance. Among each the teams like that have a chance to be there, right? Huh. ESPN has the them gives them because it's a head to head with the Dolphins. They give them about a fifty five percent chance to win that game, okay. uh, and get the two seed. But then if they lose, they still give them about a thirty something percent chance to get the seven seed, which is the highest of all the teams. Yeah. So obviously the matchup sense. there would not be Bills versus Bills. So the next highest team yeah, was yeah. the Steelers. So it would be Bills, uh, a two seven matchup right now on ESPN would be Bills Steelers. Okay. Your three six would be Chiefs Dolphins. I would like to see that. See Tyreek play those dudes again. See what he does. Your four five, Jaguars Browns. So this actually has the Colts and Texans both out um, in terms of the likeliest scenarios. That's tough. Now, doesn't mean that's going to happen, but very possible. In the NFC, you have the two seed Cowboys is most likely mm-hmm. versus. The seven seed Seahawks. Now, the team with the actual highest percent chance here would actually be the Rams to get the seven seed, but the Rams have the highest percent chance to get the six or the seven, okay. just because they're already guaranteed. I mean, just they're about yeah, that's true. Yeah, they're fifty nine percent shot to get the six seed, forty one to get the seven. But then behind them, Seattle at twenty seven percent, and behind them, Green Bay at twenty three percent. So, okay. but Seattle really doesn't have a shot to get the um, six seed. So all their playoff percentages are lined up in the seven, whereas Green Bay, if they finish with the same record as the Rams, they win a tiebreaker over the Rams. They would actually be the sixth seed. So Green Bay has the third highest shot to get the seven, but the second highest shot to get the six. So it's kind of interesting the way this played out. Green Bay isn't in these matchups, but they actually have a better chance of being in the playoffs than Seattle. Um, Gotcha, gotcha. So if the Rams and Packers were both to win, 
then it would be Cowboys versus Packers. Now that Rams 49ers mm-hmm. game is really interesting because the 49ers yeah, have the one seed clinch. Christian McCaffrey is not going He's to not play because play. he got a little calf yeah. strain. They haven't revealed what they'll do with like guys like Brock Purdy and Debo and Kittle and you know the the best players on their team. Yeah. Now the Rams on the flip side have clinched the playoff spot. Been a lot of rumblings. We might see Carson Wentz instead of Matthew Stafford this week. Ooh. So it could be like backups versus backups, backups. in that game. <laughs> Because both teams are kind of feeling like, mm, we're good. We rest, yeah. We're in the playoffs. Now, especially the there is Niners, an argument, the, the I think. Seed. There's an argument on both sides to kind of play your guys. If you're the Niners, Ross you know you have the one rest. seed. That means you're going to get a, a bye week next week. Yeah. Do you really want to give your guys two weeks two off? Two extra weeks, yeah. That's a long time. And really, it becomes, it becomes one game, if you do the math, they played this past Sunday. Mm. So this week is a whole week. They don't play. The next week yeah. is a whole week. That's two whole weeks. They don't play. Yeah. The next week is a third week. So you would be playing two games in a span of like 20-something days. It would only be your second game in like 20-something yeah. days. It's a tough situation for sure. Exactly. Because like, so, if you don't got that much time like getting banged up, like, yeah, sure, you get to rest, heal up, blah, blah, blah. But you also don't have I mean, that game. you saw it in the college football minute. playoff. Yeah, when the, all those teams haven't played in a month. They all look sloppy. Yeah, you, you, your body gets out of rhythm. So San Francisco has a decision to make from that standpoint. On the Rams side, mm-hmm. there's an argument like go win the one. You haven't beaten the Niners yeah. in a regular season in like lock four up years. Six seed. Go win the game and lock up the six seed to give yourself yeah. an easier path in the playoffs. Because I, I mean, I think going to Detroit right now is an easier path than going to dallas yeah just no, keep definitely. it keep it real they're both good teams it's not to say one's but just well, and, dallas, and they is on played right dallas already too they played dallas on that wasn't yes. that wasn't pretty and i mean that was great. still earlier in the year but it was, it was early in the pretty. year before they went on the run but yes so there's yeah. definitely an argument for the rams to, to play but anyway you're most likely three six matchup in the nfc is lions rams and then four five bucks eagles um mm-hmm. now as i said the afc and nfc south is interesting because both divisions have three teams that could win it um then you've got the nfc east is up for grabs they're not playing each other though um and i explained that one earlier and then the afc east is up for grabs and that's a head-to-head division title on Mm -hmm. sunday night football so we've got some good stuff um you know 20 teams alive that's fun there's parody in the nfl and we'll see what happens we'll obviously be on here i'm sure um sunday night this week we can to break down the playoffs to preview the playoff matchups after we've seen the results of all the games there's no monday night football game obviously this week Mm -hmm. so as soon as that sunday night football game is over going into that sunday night football game we'll likely know most of the matchups and it'll just be i mean realistically we could know every matchup except for the two seven basically yeah you know because it'll be up to who wins that division um but yeah, going to be really interesting. There may be some Steelers fans out there who are just rooting so hard for the Dolphins. Um, yeah, no, for real. And uh, we'll see what happens. But um, we did want to look at our year in review, best <laughs> and worst takes on this pod. All right, so everyone you know, likes to reflect on their 2023 as we head into 2024. We're no different on this podcast. We want to talk about what did we get right, what did we get wrong. So, Joe, I'll let you go first. Give me something you got right. 
All right, so it hasn't. So a lot of my takes that are like somewhat right haven't necessarily happened yet. There are a lot of up in the air could happen at the end of the week. So the first one, I went with this one because I mean he was getting in talks for possible MVP. Looked at the odds of offensive player of the year. He's negative on there, highest guy on there. So I went with Christian McCaffrey to win the offensive player of the year. That mm-hmm. looks like it's gonna happen. I, I think that's that, a lot. I called that at the I called that at the beginning of the year when we did our like award winners. But then again on the flip side, like I I had Aaron Rodgers who played four snaps, you know, as an MVP. So it's not that like I, I was we're right not on all the worst those takes yet. We're no, not getting that's the not worst, worst one. Yet. I'm just I'm just giving you a take <laughs> of you know it like, I, not like I called this, but like on the flip side I had something that just wasn't even close. But from for the good CMC yeah, offensive player of the year looks very good right now. It, and I mean, not playing this last week should be chilling. Yeah, he's like, not playing compared to. I think the only person who could just like if they just went off Tyreek. against the Bills would be Tyreek Hill. That'd yeah. be the only way I think, CMC loses it. I think the reason he was getting MVP talks was just because everyone thought he was getting two thousand, which I don't think is yeah. going to happen anymore. It's not now, yeah. but like I said, if you went crazy. Yeah, yeah. In no, week, you're not week 18 wrong. against the Bills, then maybe you could see out. the offset of maybe the you game. could you could give it to him over Christian McCaffrey. But I yeah. think that the clear offensive player of the year should be Christian McCaffrey. My best take of 2023, I think, was Lamar for MVP. I was really hot on that. If you remember, I liked the mm. new OC Todd Munkin. Yeah, told everyone he was a better passer than we had given him credit for. I, I'm just, you know what? I liked Lamar when he came out of the draft. I really thought people yeah. sort of mischaracterized who he was as a player. Everyone loved his dynamic running ability, but people really didn't think he could throw. But there's yeah. tape. Go back and watch the Louisville tape. There's tape there that shows you he's accurate. Was he inconsistent at times? Yeah. But people would like say he was just not accurate. That's just not true if you watched his tape. I remember hearing all that stuff. But then actually watching the tape and being like, oh, that's, none of that's really true. I mean, he had – again, he's grown leaps and bounds since getting yeah, in the NFL. No, but, what, sure. I mean, I could say the same thing I'm about Josh Allen. That. I could say the same thing about Patrick Mahomes. I could say the thing, same thing about Jalen Hurts, right? Like yeah. all these dudes. They get in the league. They obviously get better um, if they're going to be that kind of player, that kind of quarterback. True. Um, but uh, I still think that there was tape at Louisville that told you he was a legitimate quarterback. It was egregious and ridiculous when Bill Polian told him to switch positions. Um, <laughs> and and maybe the 2019 MVP wasn't enough for people. They wanted to see him be more uh, quarterbacky, apparently, uh-huh. um, which I thought that a lot of people had fun with that on Twitter this week with the five touchdowns, no pick game. Um, is that <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about enough that later. But it looks like he locked up the MVP in week 17. Yeah. Um, he's yeah, got a career definitely. high completion percentage. He's got a twenty-four to seven touchdown interception ratio. He's got his team as the AFC's one seed mm-hmm. locked up. He may not even play in Week eighteen. Um, the odds obviously now are like way, way, way in his favor. It, it's like super. He's locked up. So um, that's my best take for sure of, of twenty twenty-three. Joe, unless you want to comment on Lamar MVP, I was gonna see what no, your, I, your I'm worst, rocking worst with that take. Too. 
I was gonna say I was gonna ask if you wanted to go good, bad, or just all goods, all bads. But yeah. No, so no, my I first my bad. first bad take was me talking about Gardner Minshew earlier in the year. As soon as the Colts lost Anthony Richardson, I, I said they were done. I thought they were they weren't gonna make it, at least to where they're at right now, playing for a possible playoff spot, let alone probably even going above five hundred in the year. I I had harped on Gardner Mitchell. He was my cooking award that week, actually, because he did terrible. I think he threw like two picks and a fumble or something that week. It was it wasn't pretty. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you want this guy being your quarterback going forward? And here he is in the position to possibly make the playoffs, playing the Texans in the last week. Like that that alone, yeah. Got a combination of the Colts not being good anymore and Gardner Mitchell being the quarterback was was an all bad one for me. I didn't expect him to be good. I think that's a, that's a fair bad take, just given that uh, I think everyone thought that. <laughs> yeah, but, not um, true, but <laughs> the way it played out wasn't, wasn't necessarily how I thought it would. <laughs> um, my worst take of the year, we're going to go back to draft time. you know, and I, and I actually give myself some credit, watch enough tape that I feel like I got a lot of things right. You know, obviously missed some different guys. Like, I mean – Couple Rams rookies, Kobe Turner, Puka Nakua in the in the yeah. hunt for rookie crazy. of the year awards. Neither one of those guys even made my top five lists of guys that we evaluated. Um, but for sure, the biggest miss I had of everyone we talked about on this podcast was Trenton Simpson um, mm-hmm. out of Clemson. He was my yeah. favorite true off-ball linebacker in the draft. Um, Baltimore drafted him at pick 86 in the third round, which when that happened, I was kind of like, ooh, that might be a tough place for him. Um, you know, that's either unfortunate or fortunate for him. Unfortunate in the short yeah. term, but could be fortunate in the long term just because he's playing behind two of the best linebackers in the league. Patrick Queen yeah. and, and Roquan, Roquan Smith are Smith. certified dogs. They could both be pro bowlers this year if you really watch the tape. So it's tough for him to get on the field. Uh, yeah, I still, sure. even with that, you know, so there's not much tape to evaluate of him this year and saying like whether or not he's the guy I thought he was. But the fact that he even went as late as he did, round three, pick 86, when I had mm-hmm. a near first-round grade on him, kind of it was disappointing when it happened in the draft for me because I just I really thought there was a lot more there for him for his game. Um, but you know, there's still time. Maybe, maybe when he does eventually see the field, he's also developed behind those two really great players, and he will be a good player when he gets to see time. So I'm not giving up on yeah. it. But at least for this just, year, you were early, if anything, on the take. Yeah, yeah. At least for twenty twenty three, right now, projected. You know, you know, he's one of the only of those five guys that we talked about. He's the only one who just doesn't play. So <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of tough. Um, like even Noah Sewell, who I had as the fifth guy, plays a decent amount for Chicago. So oh, I didn't know um, that. Yeah. So I, I, I kind of, unfortunately, it feels like a whiff right now. But I'm uh-huh. still holding out stock, playing the long the game here. That that. That that could pay off later. We'll see. Yeah, so my next good take actually came during our hot segment that we made up a like couple of weeks back where it was like like warm, hot, burning, mm-hmm. you know, the sun. I said Aaron Rodgers wasn't gonna play the this year. He, after he came out and said, Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna <laughs> come back for December like or whatever. I, I said, No, there's not gonna happen. I knew I shouldn't say I knew, but the the Jets were not playing at a at a, I don't know, competitive level where they were going to win games and possibly be flirting with the playoffs. And that definitely was the case. Now we've seen Brees Hall go crazy. 
in all these games that they lose, you know? And so at that time, I knew Aaron Rodgers wasn't coming back to take another snap. But he's looking healthy. My dude's out there slinging the rock like it's nothing right now. And he just gets more time to rest and come back next year. Yeah. Um, I think that was a good take for sure. My next best take of 2023 was the Rams back in the playoffs. I'm telling you, I think yeah, you every outlet and expert had the Rams as one of the worst teams in football, obviously, let alone a I know I did going into the year. I believed in their structure, McVay, Stafford, Cup, Donald, mm. um, their culture, the scouting department, and less need just because they've always, despite – I know what the, the everyone said. Oh well, the F them picks model doesn't win you championships. Yeah, and and then it did, and so then everyone. Oh, there's a bill that has to come due. Well, the bill would normally come due unless you are so good at rounds three, four, and five, which the Rams have been consistently. Mm-hmm. Cooper yeah, Cup, whoever was. Oh, he's a star. Third round pick, dude. Kyron Williams, fifth yeah, round pick. Fifth, right. Puka Nakua, yeah. fifth round pick. Kobe Turner. Fourth round pick, like all these dudes who are breakout stars, who are rookies, second year players, and then obviously Cooper's been in the league for a while. What was Byron um, Young? Was he third? Third round pick. Mm. You know, I mean, and and all these dudes have been fantastic. They've all been taken in the third round or later. The only guys on their team that are true first round stud. I mean, it's Aaron Donald basically. That's it. Aaron Donald's first round yeah. pick. Everyone else on their team, and then obviously Matthew Stafford was the number one pick in his draft, not by the Rams, the Lions. but basically yeah. everyone else on this team is a day two or later pick. They don't have a, just a bunch of first-rounders on this team, but they've developed guys who are just ball players through day two and day three picks, and they just find the right guys who fit their scheme, fit their system, fit their culture, who will play well, learn, and be part of the system. Yeah. I mean, they, they've done it, and then... Even guys who they didn't draft that they signed on the fringes, a guy like Demarcus Robinson at receiver, who's emerged as like a great great third receiver. He's been so good that Tutu Atwell, since getting hurt, hasn't really been able to get back on the field. Yeah, And Tutu was a breakout guy at the beginning of the year. Right? Um, Guys like Akella Witherspoon, who was a camp signing. I mean, they're literally in training camp, when you know, preseason camp when they signed him. And now he's become their best corner. Now, is he great all the time? Eh, he gives up some deep balls, but he's also made some really big plays on the ball for them this year with some interceptions mm-hmm. and, and pass breakups. So he's been a, a great signing. John Johnson the third, they brought him back in like like right before week one. He he yeah. wasn't starting in the first few weeks of the season, about week seven. He took it back over as the starting safety. He's been never looked back since. Like so they've just managed the cap really well, took the cap hits, dead dead cap on guys like Jalen Ramsey this year. Um, shed some of that 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 money, cam makers, guys like that, and found replacements in late free agency or the draft, and mm-hmm. and have killed it. And so that's why they're back in the playoffs. And I'm not surprised at all. That's pretty much. I said nine and eight playoffs. They're nine and seven right now. They could be. They could even surprise my expectations when I had them at nine and eight and be ten and seven. Yeah, my favorite thing out of all that is the receivers. That they just block. I don't know how they get their their receivers to buy in with them, or even like Kyle Shanahan, maybe even a little bit of Mike McDaniel's. But that's my favorite thing to watch is watching those dudes just get out there ahead of their running back and put a block downfield on like a safety. I love seeing that. 
Yeah, no doubt. I mean, shout out Eric Yarber, the receiver coach, because he does a heck of a job. I love whenever they do the uh, like behind the scenes, you know, and they'll show you the sideline and they do the mic'd up stuff or whatever. Yeah. I swear, Eric Yarber is like the ultimate hype man. He's always <laughs> like, like they have. Have you ever seen the one of the Super Bowl where he Cooper Cup catches like had that crazy drive to win him the Super Bowl and then he comes off and Eric Yarber is just like, Poop. <laughs> he's like a fan, bro. <laughs> no, like he's hyping him up. It's so cool. You can tell he has a great relationship with those guys, and they play for uh-huh. each other. Um, yeah, so that's a huge that's, that's, that's the best part. And let's see. So leading to my next bad take, I had Mike Tomlin and the Steelers getting – I had Mike Tomlin especially, I should say, to get his first <laughs> losing record as a head coach. And, you know, Ooh. here we are. Nine 17 and, straight, nine and, baby. Or, what, nine and seven right now? Is that what yep. they're at? Yeah, nine and seven. He still got it done, and I also said the Steelers weren't good, so that kind of goes hand in hand with that. But shout, <laughs> we were, shout out we to the wrong man. for about three or four weeks there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they got Mason Rudolph again, and and all of a sudden they're Mason they're Rudolph the rock like turned into nothing. prime Peyton Manning, and now they're good yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I, I don't. Um, it, it makes you wonder though, like how come this will hasn't been started? You know, like I don't know. It's it's a wild it, it, situation. It's like Gino a little bit. It's like diet yeah, Gino true. Smith, bro, where it just sat in the bench for a long that. time, learned, and I guess because the last time we saw Mason Rudolph, I believe, was like the Miles Garrett head yeah, that's what I was about to like say. helmet incident. Like I, we haven't yeah. seen him since. Um, <laughs> so I've got the uh, my next worst take of 2023. The Jets is a playoff team. I like the yeah, Aaron Rodgers move paired with that young explosive defense. I didn't think they would win the division like you did, but I did pick them to get to the AFC Championship because of the clutch mm-hmm. factor with Aaron Rodgers. His injury threw them off. So, like, you could say, like, Definitely. oh, well, Rodgers got hurt. That's the only reason you were wrong. But honestly, their O line issues, I think, might have still kept them from being yeah. what I thought they would be. So, I overlooked that part of it. And, you know, they need, if they're going to be anything next year other than like, you know, a fringe wildcard team and a, a one one playoff and out Gotta type team, they're gonna, they have to fix their O-line. Otherwise, they yeah. won't be anything more than that. They won't be a true contender until they fix that O-line because that's – I know it was play four or whatever, but, like, that's part of why Rodgers got hurt. <laughs> that O-line sucks. Yeah, he was he was it, trying to cut there's up no way the to sugarcoat it. Yeah. And, and I don't like being, like, that negative about it, but, like, truly, they're not good. They need to fix it's, it. Yeah, it's been an issue for sure. Let's see, my next good take. So this one, like I said, with the first one where it hasn't really happened, but there's a lot of possibilities. It was just me calling some of these teams' records, right? So I have the Bills. I had them at 10-7. and I believe they're at 10-6 and right now. If they lose, that's a very possible situation. Cowboys, 11-7. and I think they're... 11-6. 11-6, yeah. I think they're already... They're 11-5 and currently, yeah? There's mm-hmm. something very possible. Saints nine and eight. If they win, that could happen. Ravens now that was a good one. Because I really like the Saints, and you were like, "Eh, pump the brakes." And that you were right. You were right on that yeah. one for sure. Ravens thirteen and four. If they, you know, they rest Lamar. Maybe Hundley can't get him to done. Although he makes it a very. But what you're game. saying is, you should have put some money on some over under win totals. That's what oh, you need I to be did doing next year. No, no, trust and you me, won I a did. lot. You won a lot. Uh, I think we're still waiting on some of them. Like that Bills, okay. I think it, it might have been like, I don't know, say 11 and a half or something. And I took the or under. 10 and a half. Know. And you yeah, went under. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So 
Some so of those I'm still waiting for. I did hit rooting for the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, true. I, I I did hit on that Ravens one. That one came in early. That yeah. one was nice. But like I had the the Bengals as well. They they did not perform to what I thought. Joe Burrow getting hurt didn't help. But you know some things. The the Bears I had them seven and ten. I think they already have seven wins. So if they lose, like that one happens. Mm-hmm. And then the Niners, same thing with the Ravens. If they rest their dudes, thirteen and four, very well could happen if they lose to the Rams. So just some um, just some scenarios <clears throat> that I possibly could have guessed, or they do better than I thought. I don't know. Nice. Nice. I like it. Um, I'm going to go back to the draft here, and I said it on draft day um, when we recapped the draft on this podcast. I thought the Lions had the best draft. Looks pretty clear now. I know a lot of people questioned the positions they drafted when they drafted them. Like People did not yeah. like drafting a running back at 12 or a linebacker in back half of round one. Like, nobody liked that. However, mm-hmm. the, they drafted – four of my favorite players at their positions in the entire draft. That's true. When you do that, it doesn't – I don't care. I don't care that he plays running back. Jameer Gibbs has been a weapon. Mm-hmm. That's why I feel like he got beefy this year too. I don't know. I feel like he looked I mean, tiny at Alabama compared to what he does now. They, nice. they literally – they have drafted four guys who are all impact players at their position this year. Like yeah. they're not where they are without the – where would they be without those four guys? There's no way that they would be what they are without those four guys. I mean, you tra- you're talking Laporta. about Jameer Gibbs, Jack Campbell, Sam Laporta, Brian Branch. All four of those guys have been like, yeah. not just like good play, like nice. huge contributors. Like Laporta and Gibbs, you could argue, yeah, have been next to Amon Laporta Ross St. Brown as their best offensive weeks. weapons. Like, he's been a monster. Yeah, Laporta's having one of the best rookie, if not the best rookie tight end season ever. Yeah, um, literally. But again, you put those two guys next to Amon Ross St. Brown and the Lions have a legitimate offense. Obviously, they've got other players in that mm-hmm. offense that have been there for a little while making things happen. But like those two guys elevated it, no question. Defensively, Brian Branch has been a revelation for them as essentially mm-hmm. a slot corner, which when we talked about him, I liked him. I had him as a safety, but remember that he was a Swiss Army knife that could do that. And yeah. that, that might be his real spot in the NFL. And that's what he's come into. And then out of all the four of them, Jack Campbell might be what you would call the worst player of those four, but he's been <laughs> yeah. good. Like he's helped make, you know, it so that they don't have to rely on Malcolm Rodriguez, a six round pick to play the other off ball linebacker next to Alex Anzalone. So mm. they, uh, they've just, all of those guys have been huge contributors. And you could also argue that Jack Campbell's helped make that defense. You know, it was one of the worst defenses in the NFL last year. And now it's, yeah, you know, a middling defense. It's pretty good. Right. So, um, I just think they had the best draft, and it's not really that close right now. I mean, I would say that the what the Rams were able to do with the picks they had obviously was really good because they may have the offensive rookie of the year and defensive rookie of the year. Like they mm-hmm. literally have Byron Young and Kobe Turner trading, who's leading the rookies in sacks week to week. So they've got two <laughs> defensive guys who are in the running for rookie of the year, and then they've got Puka Nakua, who. It's literally going to set a record in receiving yards, I think. As long as he plays. But yeah, true. it's That's it's true. clear like, okay, him versus C.J. Stroud. And even if he doesn't win it and C.J. Stroud wins it, which C.J. Stroud gets the Texans to the playoffs. Yeah. First year rookie head coach, rookie quarterback. Yeah. I mean, that's really impressive. What Puka Nakua is doing is like literally setting oh, historic records. So yeah. it's hard not to give it to him either. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think you're wrong either way. I think it's they're both having incredible seasons. So. 
the Rams had a really good draft too, but the Lions really, I think that they really mm-hmm. killed it. So, all right, leading into our last bad one that I have written down, it just comes down to Jaguars and and the and Trevor Lawrence. I I said Trevor Lawrence was possibly going to flirt with the MVP talks. Ultimately, I went with Aaron Rodgers, and I also thought the Jaguars going to be good. I think I had them winning like eleven games or something when we did that. Everyone did back in the day, <laughs> and. You know, it just didn't play out that way. They had a nice string of games in the middle of the year, but since then, Trevor Lawrence has been getting injured like every other week, and it hasn't been he hasn't been the same since. Not saying that they don't have a good team all around, they just haven't been playing good team ball. And I was definitely wrong on that, which is tough. Yeah, I, everyone was wrong on that one, though. So <laughs> Honestly, this last one, my last worst take here of the of the year um, makes me truly angry because I was on this train for a while. Baker Mayfield, mm-hmm. um, I you know I've been a guy who was like, nah, Baker's he's good. We gotta he's at least a middle of middle the NFL type guy. Yeah, and then the, after last season, I finally was like, well, I guess after I just got to give up. All the teams, yeah, I just got to give up and. You know, so going into this offseason, I had him as the worst starting quarterback in the NFL on my QB <laughs> And he, he absolutely obliterated me for doing that mm-hmm. and had basically the best season of his career. The Bucks, I thought, would be like one of the worst teams in the league because of that. Yeah, me too. And, and of course, like with three games. Yeah. And of course, they're now the most likely team to win that division and host a playoff game, Baker Mayfield. So, I'm really upset about myself or at, at myself because I didn't yeah. believe in my original thought. Um, and I let last year, the, the negatives of last season influence me off of it. Um, <laughs> but dang, Baker Mayfield, he's finally doing it. So um, that was a bad take by me. No mm-hmm. question. I had them doing worse than the Panthers, bro. You know how crazy that is? I know. <laughs> I, know. I thought Bryce Young was going to be better than him. That's stupid. Yeah. No, I get that. But did you want me to do a quick quick breakdown of the fantasy before we get into these awards? Or just blow you by that? It, right? I mean, you won it all. Yeah, I won. Yeah. So what happened was week 15. Week 15, yeah, you, your team struggled late in the year. They they did well all season <sighs> until the end. Week 14, your best player was... Jay or it was Patty followed by JJ both fifteen. Oh, and just just Josh Allen at sixteen sixteen. And I beat you by sixty that week. Week Jeez. sixteen. I oh week sixteen my team went crazy with Brees Hall getting forty three. Oh. Uh let's see. Brutal. I beat you by what is that? Sixty a little under sixty. Your best dude was JJ at 26.1, followed by Josh Allen, 25. And then no no Jamar Chase that week is what did you dirty. Uh, let's see. And then last week, I did it for fun just to see how it would have played out. And last week, you would have won by a small margin of six. But at that point, it was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I think, <laughs> you, I think you literally went like five weeks of no dubs or something crazy which is crazy because basically we just took the top guys so that's like yeah really wild um all right 
We're moving on. Yeah, your last that. win so, was week eleven, so six weeks in a row, or five so out of the last our, six. Based on our bet, that means I have to come see you. Yes, sir. Yeah, take the trip. Right. Buy me some. We'll do food, a live yeah? pod when I come out. Yeah. Oh, definitely. I already. We're, um, we're here. We're good to roll. Let's go. We'll we'll make that happen probably this summer. Yeah, no doubt. We'll make it happen. Let's get to awards and uh, finish off the first podcast of 2024. Sorry, let's get into it. So I'll go ahead and go first on the Tuqua Gamer of the Week Award. And on this week, I'm rolling with our guy, Brees Hall. I talked about him a little bit throughout the, the episode already. He went 13 carries, 84 yards, and then 9 for 9 on catches, 42 yards, and a touchdown. My guy had their only offensive touchdown in the game. And... You know, I don't know how to break it down to you, but I, I do think he's been playing good ball the last couple of weeks. Just it's unfortunate they, they kind of got smoked a little bit in that game, mm-hmm. and he's the only one chugging along on the offense, really. And you could tell they were they were getting blown out the water because my guy went nine for nine on catches. He was getting lined up outside, even like <laughs> just running empty. Kind of tough for the, the Jets all around. But Brees Hall went crazy that week just for, for him and the squad, even though they couldn't pull it off. Um, I'm going to go with Najee Harris guy went off 27 carries, 122 yards, two touchdowns. But the thing that was impressive, both touchdowns were like angry runs, bro. Like this guy was like, like I, I would not like Pacheco not, or what? Dude, oh, you mean you, just like fighting? Yeah. Like breaking oh, okay, tackles, okay. just like, like carrying grown men on his back into the <laughs> end zone. I mean, the one where he like, he's literally like at the four. And just like and stretches uh-huh. and scores, and it was like, oh, dude, this guy is—I feel like I haven't seen Najee run like that like since Bama. Year, and then, and then he had one where he stiff armed a guy to the ground, like maybe not Derrick Henry, that Josh Norman. He was running left. Yeah, I, I mean, I but, saw that one, but close, like good stuff. Um, Najee went off, I think, uh, and and literally like his runs helped keep the Steelers alive. Helped. One, Tomlin mm. get his 17th consecutive winning season. Two, yeah. keep this alive. Um, I think, and and with this, I have a little bit of a take, and people can disagree with me here, but like we've seen, I've heard a lot of people talking about why do the Steelers have Najee Harris? Just get rid of Najee Harris and play Jalen Yeah, Moore. Yep, I've seen that. I've said a lot that of the mean. same, a lot of the same takes as last year with like Zeke and Tony Pollard. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're saying he's like the bruiser a little bit. So, but you've seen Tony Pollard hasn't been nearly as good this Not year as the lead black with he, the Cowboys. He can't run. Now Cowboys he fans are like, oh, he's just not, oh, we need something. And like they, when for two, three years in a row, they were, oh, Tony Pollard's better than Zeke. And like, was he more explosive? He might have yes. better is he better as a, yeah. he is better as a pass catcher? Receiver? Yes. Yeah. But Zeke was great in pass protection and he was still like a bruising back that helped keep hits mm-hmm. off Tony Pollard's body. Did you yeah. want to pay Zeke what you were paying him? Of course not. Not for the role he was playing at that point. But I still think Zeke was important for Tony Pollard's success. Just like I yeah. think Najee Harris is important for Jalen Warren's success. You, okay. you want both of those guys. So Steelers fans who are caping for Jalen Warren to be like the guy without anybody else, I don't know if you want that. I think you want what you're seeing right now where you're getting production from both guys. And is Najee always great or has he always been great? No. But like this week shows you why the value that he brings. So I think you want both those guys in the ball game. 
which which ties it back to something I just thought of, which is kind of funny. It, it was like when I was playing running back for was that dude's little brother. There was a dude who played football with us. His brother was the other running back that year, and I kid you not, bro. The lineman would tell me like, "Yeah, bro, when you're playing running back, I I don't really care if I miss my block." Honestly, he's like, "But when the other dude's in, I gotta make sure I block everyone because I don't want him to get hurt." <laughs> <laughs> They're like Joe, you're a tank. You'll be fine. You can. Yeah, take they're it. like you could take the hit. You you'll get your couple yards. But the other dude, he's got to get finesse and make it outside, and make some cuts. <laughs> oh, that's good. That's really good. Uh, we gotta get to your dog of the week. We got. <laughs> so this was interchangeable with Brees Hall. I didn't know where to put which, but I think this one made more sense here. I'm rolling Harrison Bucker. My dude went crazy from kicking the ball. He went. Let's see. He went two for two from kicks under 39, three for three from kicks under 49, one for one with a 50 plus kick. And then he had an extra point, literally scored all the points in this game besides a touchdown from Pacheco. Like, I don't know what says what says baller than that. Uh, they, I think they finished with 25 or something. Uh-huh. I don't know where the math maths, but. Yeah, my dude literally carried the team on his back, kicking the ball from different ranges in the game. It just made sense to to take my man here as a dog. Yeah. Good for him. He got like um, 24 fantasy points or something crazy. He was your best guy last week. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy. I got the minor setback for a major comeback. We're going to talk about the Lions here in back-to-back segments, so we're going to get to all of it. Oh, okay. um, the Lions, they lost a controversial game in Dallas. They did play mm-hmm. extremely well. They look poised to be a dangerous playoff team this year. They're going to finish the season with the Vikings. They have a very small shot, like I said, at the two seed if they can win that game and then watch Philly and Dallas both lose on Sunday. Ooh, okay. Otherwise, they'll be the three seed. Um, but I, I expect them to bounce back, beating the Vikings, putting the Vikings out of their playoff miseries. And mm-hmm. uh, the Vikings are a team. Funny that I, I we've been talking about predictions. Okay. I said they would go 7-10. and 10. Early on, they were like one and four, and it was like, oh, that's bad. And they aren't as good as I thought. <laughs> then they won like five in a row, and it was like, oh, they're six yeah. and four. Like, dang, they might be better than I thought. Now they're going to finish the year on this roller coaster and finish at probably <laughs> seven and ten. And I'm like, yep, that's yeah. exactly what I thought they were. So like, <laughs> we are who they thought they were. That way. Um, but the Lions, <laughs> I expect them to bounce back. Even though they don't really yeah. have too much to play for, I think Dan Campbell, he's not a rest the starters guy. They're going to play, and they're going to try yeah. and win because winning is what well, matters to them. Especially with him and not like the whole situation with the way it played out last week, like you got something to show for. Like, nah, it was not so, a fluky. Get it done, yeah. you know. So the no cap yeah. hats off award, we're gonna talk about that. We we saw three two point conversions <laughs> in the Dallas Detroit game to decide it. Okay. So we're yeah. gonna take you through the whole scenario, explain it all. And for the people who don't know what we're talking about, here you go. Get strap in. All right. So Dallas is down 21 14 at the end of the game. They you know, go and uh, and they score. They go down two minute drive, like twenty something seconds left. They score a touchdown mm-hmm. to to make it twenty one twenty. And Dan Campbell's the type of guy that's saying, "Hey, we're on the road. We're playing at no Dallas. Great at home. We don't want to go to overtime with these guys. We're gonna go for two. Yeah, we're gonna go get yeah. the win right now. We're going for the jugular." Um, they come in on their first two point conversion. They bring in a bunch of extra offensive linemen. Okay, they line up in a formation in which. Two of those O-linemen are eligible, one of them being Taylor Decker, their uh, yeah. left tackle. And, you know, he, the play they run 
he runs to the back corner of the end zone after faking a block <laughs> and catches what looks to be the game-winning two-point conversion. But yep. wait, there is a flag. Oh, 68 didn't report as eligible. Okay, everyone watched the replay of this. It looked like he and another offensive lineman went and talked to the line judge, you know, the, the white yeah. hat. Meanwhile, number 70 is running in off the sideline to be the extra lineman. The white hat seems to acknowledge blah, 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 blah. Okay, there's all kinds of controversy as to whether or mm-hmm. not Taylor Decker he reported. They yeah. said number 70 who had come into the game was the one that reported. There was all the talk about Dan Campbell saying, well, we told the referees exactly what this play was pregame, which is pretty standard practice. If you have a weird play, you tell the referees yeah. about it so that they, like, they can call they it right the and give them the heads up so they're not just seeing it, not knowing what's happening. Kind of yeah. give them that heads up. And that way they know. I mean, referees will literally come up, even in high school, come up and ask your head coach before the game, hey, you guys have any weird stuff that you do? Oh, we do gate on yeah. two-point convert, you know, on extra points. Like, okay, yeah, yeah it yeah. makes sense. Or, hey, we have this certain play that we're going to run at some point today where we have three linemen here and two here, you know. I mean, whatever it is. Weird formation, weird play, whatever it might be. Just so mm-hmm. that they don't, you know, throw a flag. Or they can even tell you, like, hey, that's not a legal play. Most of the time, obviously, if you're – a good coach, you know it's legal or not. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the NFL, the way it works, you have to be wearing an eligible number to catch a pass. Those are numbers 1 through 49 and numbers 80 through 99 are your eligible numbers, right? Okay, yeah. Now, if you are not wearing, so that means if you're wearing a number between 50 and 79, if you want to be eligible in a formation, you have to report as eligible. And this is the universal yeah. sign, like brushing down your chest. <laughs> So you have to show and tell that that's what they the NFL put out, you know, in their their guidelines after this week <laughs> controversy. Uh, they said the Lions didn't. A lot of people say they did. I don't know. I mean, I I honestly think that the Lions tried to, and I kind of just think the referee got it wrong. Yeah, but didn't want to say he. Got, I mean, but as a referee, I don't know that it does him any good to admit after the game, like, yeah, I messed it up. Uh, yeah, I, I think he did up. report, yeah. but I yeah, said no seventy. Doubt. It was my fault. What 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 would Lions fans have been like? Cool if that had been said. No, they would have been more pissed. They'd been more yeah. mad. Yeah. Then, then, then it's like, like see, what there's they, proof. What, now we actually got snow. Yeah, you know? they're gonna yeah. say, look, the NFL conspired against us. Like, no, I think the guy just got it wrong, and probably once you know, you know how like when you're wrong, but then everyone attacks you for being wrong. You know how you're like more likely to be like, no, I I did this right, and you just kind of stick to your guns. I think most people yeah. get defensive that way. I think that's yeah. what happened. Kind of think he got it wrong. Didn't really and, – and just like an honest mistake, saw 70 running in and assumed 70 was True. the one reporting instead of 68 and just said 70 and 68 was the one who reported. And then at the end of the day, I mean, yeah, Lions fans – never know like what happened in that conversation. Through. And, and it probably did. I don't – I mean, that's, that's all – anyway, the best part about the story is it keeps going. Yeah. So I was they don't say. get the two point conversion. It's a five yard penalty. I think conventional wins, wisdom says, "All right, shoot, we didn't Kick get the it. Field goal. Kick the extra point and let's go to OT." Yes. Dan Campbell's like, "Screw that, bro. We're going for two from the seven yard line." Yeah. Yeah. That's, okay. <laughs> um, and Jared Goff hard counts him, gets him to jump, so he knows he's got a free play. He gets waxed and throws a pick, but yeah. Got him to jump. Play. Halfway to the so, goal. Hey, we're back to the two-yard line. Let's line it, strap it up, and let's go. So now, you know, they're back inside the, you know, the, around the two-yard line. Or, Three-ish, um, yeah. 
and uh, and they go for two again, and and Goff just leaves it behind a receiver running an out route towards the pylon, where if you put it in front of him, guy probably catches it. It's probably close, but I think he dives and gets in. He just kind of yeah. left it behind him a little bit on the out route, and guy couldn't quite make the catch, and game over. Lions lose. So mm. that was definitely a no cap hats off scenario where yeah, it whole, took like twenty minutes of Lewis, fifteen uh, minutes of real time. Plays. To decide the game, three two point conversions in a row. So, weirdest <laughs> would thing you I saw. Kick the field sure. goal after that that penalty, or would you have just stuck with your guns? Like, no, nah, we're. I, I think I would have kicked. I think I would have okay. kicked at that point and trusted the kicker to make a thirty eight yard extra point at that point and just mm-hmm. said, "Hey, that's probably a higher percentage shot for us than than trying to go for yeah. two from seven. Now, I respect the heck out of Dan Campbell for saying no. no. Yeah, I or respect him. Win it or not, I think that takes big balls. Weird. Because you know yeah. everyone's going to second guess you. Um, I love that he trusts his team, and that's his mo all year. And that's why that team is successful. That's why mm-hmm. no one else could coach the team the way he does it. And that's why he's the perfect guy for Detroit. So, like, yeah. I'm not even criticizing him. I just think I know what I would have done. And just because mm-hmm. I would have done something different doesn't mean he's wrong. I mean, I shoot. You know, there's a reason it that team is. The, yeah. Well, there's a reason that that team is 11 and five. You know, like Very there's true. a reason they they're gonna they've won the division for the first time in. Dude, since like before I was born, like that's well, how long it wasn't even been. the division they're in now. It was the Central when the last yeah time the they NFC won. Central. I mean, so all the credit in the world. Hats off to Dan Campbell. I'm yeah. not criticizing the guy. I refuse to. Not, so. not even that though. Like the way I mean, last year what they went nine and eight, just missed the playoffs, I believe, and then this year eleven and five at the moment. Like yeah, he's he's done a lot. I just they've been on like, a for me, steady growth. Yeah, year in and year yeah. out. I just say for me, I think the, the the extra point would have been better. But I mean, at the end of the day, if you if you think that game wasn't playing out the way you wanted to, you just gotta it put you out your misery. Then you know, you either find out you win or you or you get that L like they did, which is unfortunate. But it was a crazy game to watch for sure. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Let's see. Leading after that, we got our Strahan Munoz Big Fellow Award. And this week for me, I'm going Nate Davis. Man, did I write down what team he was on? I did not. I think he's on the Texans. I don't know. I think let me let me do a quick search. That's a bad play by me. I have his number sixty four. Not that that means anything without me knowing what team he's on. But we can we can cut this. I can do my part while you're looking it up. Oh, he's on the Titans. Was he really? No, that no no. He's on the Bears. He's on the Bears. My bad. He was on the Titans. Now he's on the Bears. He's, <laughs> I'm all over the place. No, he's on the Bears. That makes sense. They won like 27 to 10 or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Now, Nate Davis, though, he plays right guard for, for the Bears. The things I like from him, he has a good quick set on pass pro. So, like, he, he's stronger than most people. So, he was stopping bull rushes like crazy. But if he's ever, like, in trouble, he'll get his arms, like, back underneath the pads, you know, get a nice little punch in, get some more separation to hold him out. Let's see. Oh, on pass row, he's always looking for work. If there was no one ever coming towards him, he's getting in there with that tackle, just pushing that dude out the way. Let's see. He did let up three tackles on runs, which was unfortunate. One of them wasn't his fault. It was Justin Fields, like, passing him on a pass pro. He just ran past him. That dude dove on his legs. Uh, And he's good at combo blocking on runs. He wasn't necessarily the best when, when they were running, like, uh, like a counter, they would cross his face like nothing. But if he ever had a combo block to the backer, he was doing those nice and well. So yeah, Nate Davis from the from the Bears. Ultimately, that's my man. <laughs> Love it. I'm going with Aiden Hutchinson. 
Uh, straight up dog uh, up front. He's the first player in NFL history to record at least 18 sacks, four interceptions, four fumble recoveries in his first That's two crazy. seasons. Um, against Dallas, he had three sacks, four TFLs, five total tackles, five QB hips. Um, he dominated the line of scrimmage all night despite the loss. And uh, it's fitting, you know, this week with the Michigan winning the Rose Bowl that he would get this award. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a dog, bro. He's a dog. And and everyone who questioned him as the number one pick, I don't think they're questioning it now. He's really embodied what Detroit wants to be. Yeah. And uh, I think he's doing a really good job keeping, for him. Keeping him in Michigan, too. My man's been there yep. all the time. See, next up, we got our Who's Cooking Award, a quarterback that could either be whipping up, you know, Michelin star food, a little salt bay on top, or someone that's just, you know, they're in the kitchen, they got they got all the ingredients out, they don't really know where they go, and you get you get a pizza that's not even looking like pizza, you know. Those <laughs> looking a little funky, cheese ain't even mozzarella for whatever reason, like, who knows. Uh... But this week, I think, I think we're both pick, picking someone who's cooking, I believe. I went with yeah. Lamar Jackson. You kind of talked about it at the top. My dude went 18 for 21, 321 yards, five touchdowns, literally three incompletions. One of them, I remember, was at least a drop from likely. And six rushes, 35 yards. And my dude literally just went crazy, picking apart the, the Dolphins. And in a game where it's, it's a potential playoff contender, you know, like it just... You can't get much better than that. My dude had some pretty balls. Zay Flowers had a nice catch too, where he had that cutback and just Isaiah got that likely tutty. too. Isaiah likely had some. Nice oh, that one hander. Hey, yeah, I just nice love that the fact that everyone was dunking on that lady, talking about is it quarterbacky enough for you now? <laughs> <laughs> that was my favorite part. Uh, shout out Lamar, man. Uh, I've got Tyrod Taylor. Did you see the video or the picture of him where he's got like? like a weave on and it's like comparing him to like Snoop Dogg. Did you see that on Twitter? Uh-uh. Uh, I'll have to find one and send it to you. That, that was okay. pretty funny too. All right. I need it. Um, I've got, and I'm sorry, not Tyrod. It's Tyrod. Tyrod Taylor. He go. corrected someone, corrected that on a podcast like a year ago. Tyrod <laughs> Taylor had a great game. First start since week 13, threw for 319 yards, touchdown, interception. He added six carries for 40 yards on the ground. Now, Giants fans will tell you, he did miss the two-point conversion throw. That uh-huh. would have put them up um, to win the game. But he kind of made up for it later by getting the Giants in the field goal range to at the end to win it. So they had a game-winning kick at the end, and yeah. uh, they did miss it. So, unfortunately for him, the Giants missed. But he certainly played well enough to win, in my estimation. Yeah, and I, uh, I thought he was cooking. I, I always, always liked Terod Taylor. Like, his entire career, it's always felt like he could be starting quarterback and he's kind of gotten like weird chances that never sort of ended up right i mean like he guided the bills to the their first playoff berth no one remembers that but like he actually got mm-hmm. the bills to the playoffs before josh well, Allen when he was on the chargers he was doing good it's just he well, had the the sad the chargers injury, he know? didn't even he didn't even get to start that first game though because they punctured his lung and then it was yeah. justin herbert's <laughs> never yeah he never really got the shot to be the guy and every time he's come in as a backup quarterback, it, it feels like he's played well. Like, well, I feel like you when can't he's tell been me, with the Giants, they got nice energy. They look like they got that spark they need, and then they just flip yeah. the script, and it all looks good. I, honestly, you can't tell me if you didn't put him in as the starter on the Falcons instead of the guys they've been going with that the Falcons went oh, to win that division. It was you know what I mean? Especially the things they could do with that backfield, bro. 
It's gonna be crazy. That, yeah, that's like I've seen. I've seen a lot of Justin Fields talk to there, which yeah. would be nice. Which would be Justin nice. Fields, according to according to uh, to Moore, DJ Moore is is him, and he does not want to lose him as his starting quarterback. Ooh. So he may be Amazing. a bear. I don't know. We'll see. Um, quick, okay, quick preview before we skip to this Boo Boo Evans. Do you think that the Giants could pull off this dub versus the Eagles this week? No. No? I mean, yes, they could. I don't think they will. I think the Giants, you know, like the okay. Eagles need a win. The Eagles need to yeah. win. Then end right on the season. I feel you. Yeah. All right, so the last award we're giving now. Oh, no, we got one more after this one. My bad. But the Boo Boo Evans Award, the last award of a of a player, I should say. We're going with Tyler Lockett this week. My dude went one for five on his catches for 10 yards. Like, that's tough. The Seahawks, they were playing the... Um, Steelers. The Steelers, yeah. In a the game they, you know, couldn't pull out. They got, they lost by seven, and you need, you need your guys to produce. They, I know they went to DK a lot in that game. But if you're getting your five targets and you only catch one of them for ten, like as one like the second receiver on that team, maybe JSN's pass him. I don't know, but not not what you want to see from a dude who's always got nice hands. You know, very old, reliable. You know, so not not what you want to see out of your receiver this week for one for five. So Tyler Lockett gets the boo boo Evans. I'd just like to take everyone behind the curtain really quick on our um. Document it says Euler Lockett, and I was like, Yeah, 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 Euler Lockett. No, it, 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 I was typing all that's, I was typing up everything boo-boo. all bad. Yesterday. That's his boo boo name when he's not playing like Tyler Lockett, he's Euler Lockett. <laughs> uh, all right, so we got the last one the standing on business award. Now, there were not a lot of teams standing on business this week the Rams, the Niners, the Eagles, all these teams failed to cover, okay, on, uh-huh. on bigger spreads. The team that did cover in a weird way, though, it didn't feel like it. But they did, technically. The Chiefs, they bounced back from a tough mm-hmm. loss at home. They had a seven and a half point spread to cover against the Bengals, and they did so by winning 25 to 17. So they literally won by a half point over the spread. The they only yeah. won by eight. But technically, they were the team that covers, covered the largest spread of the week. So they were the ones standing on business. Uh, they didn't do it Christmas Day, but they found a way to stand on business in week 17. And uh, we'll see what they look like in the playoffs. That's what matters now. All right, so that's going to lead us to our turnover on downs, where we got four four downs that we consider. You know, first down, you got a trend you got going for us. Second down, I give you a bet. Third down, you bring it back with a a breakdown of a third down play you seen, and then we close out with my bad beat of last week. So let's see what you got cooking up this week for us, Broski. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, first down, we're going to look at a trend, and I'm talking split safety coverages today. Um, as well as I said, Tyrod Taylor played. We are going to actually look at him throwing a pick. <laughs> so, um, all right. So I'll explain this. Um, if you're watching on the YouTube, I highly recommend at least watching this part on the YouTube. If you're listening on podcasts, on one of the podcast apps, um, always recommend looking at our, our uh, you know, this segment specifically at the end, turnover on down. So make it easy, put it at the end so you can go find it. But, if you're looking and you're watching with us, we got the Rams versus the Giants on the screen, right? The Rams are showing pressure right now. They got a five-man front, right? They're going to overload one side with three mm-hmm. good players um, and then two players to the backside. The Giants side, are in a – say that again? I said left side, strong side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. 
The Giants are in a two by one set with a with Darren Waller lined up as a as a uh, tight end off the hip of the tackle. Um, it's really more like three by one with him, uh, just because he's so much more like a receiver than he is a true tight end. Yeah. Uh, the backs away. The Rams are going to play what we call a split safety coverage. They're essentially playing two man to the backside to the single receiver side. It looks like true man free when Tyrod Taylor's looking at this because this safety looks like he's going to go to the middle of the field. Um, that's Jordan Fuller for the Rams, but he's actually going to play the half on that side. And then on the other okay. side, they're going to play a version of cover oh, three. You've got you've got your thirds player, your flat defender who's going to actually carry number two vertical. You've got a hook player to the front side. And then you've got a backside hook player who's really more like a robber because they're playing two man back there. He's really back there to see the back, right? <clears throat> You'll see the back though. He stays in protection. And the Rams actually mess up the coverage a little bit to the front side because they release Darren Waller late to the flat. And number 37, Quentin Lake does not come off to it, but it doesn't matter because Tyrod Taylor thinks he's got one-on-one with Akello Witherspoon and his guy, I believe it's uh, it's not Jalen Hyatt, who's it? It's Sterling Shepard, I think. To the to the field side, I don't know. So you'll, we'll let it play a little bit, and you can see our guy. Uh, we'll let it play from both angles here. Mark Sanchez kind of draws it up, the color commentator <laughs> of the game. But Jordan Fuller gets over, you know, kind of fools him, gets the gets the interception, um, you know, because they were able to fool. Tyrod Taylor with the coverage, with the split safety look. That's part of why you run split safety coverages. So you'll see Mark Sanchez explaining the quarterback thinks he's got to go to the middle of the field, but he's actually going to play that deep side half, right? And he does a really disciplined job of really just backpedaling straight down, so he's kind of cheating it. Again, Tyrod Taylor sort of looks this way to look him off, but he doesn't go for the bait because he knows he's a half-field player. He knows there's guys on this side of the field that play that side, right? Here's the late release to the flat. That would have been the throw Tyler Taylor would have wanted to make because, yeah. in theory, Quentin Lake should Not come off of that. Right there. Mm-hmm. And, and um, trust John Johnson to keep carrying this vertical, staying underneath this vertical. But again, look at the ball isn't released. Jordan Fuller is already breaking because he knows he's a yeah. half field player. Now, this is a good throw if it's true one on one. He's got him beat by a half step, but he never sees that safety. Jordan Fuller makes a great break, adjusts to the ball in the air. And then Mark Sanchez is like, hey, you should have thrown the thirds route over there with the cover three corner, single coverage. Mm-hmm. But Fuller breaks to it, makes an nice. interception. It's a, it's a great um, defensive design there and, and fools Tyrod Taylor into throwing his only interception of the day. Probably about the only bad play Tyrod actually had. Um, so good play by the Rams. All right, so second down on the turnover on downs, we got me giving you the bet. This week, the four I'm looking at is Houston minus one and a half versus the Colts. I got the Patriots minus two and a half versus the Jets. I got Philly Giants over 41 and a half. And then I got Bears plus three versus the Packers. Now that last one, I think the Bears could actually win that one. But the Packers are playing for some playoff hope, so it could go either way. A little tough. So I think that one's going to be a close game. Philly Giants, I went with the over just because I think Tyrod Taylor's dynamic and can get more points than everyone probably expects. 
Patriots, Jets. I think the Patriots are probably just a better ball club. The Jets can't figure out their quarterback situation since they lost Zach Wilson. And Patriots, I think, just have a better defense than their offensive quarterback could do for the Jets. So I think they, they do some things there. But ultimately, I'm picking the Houston minus one and a half versus the Colts. That kind of ties back to me talking about Gardner Minshew. I think C.J. Stroud and the boys in Houston have been paying, playing a little better. And now that he's back after last week, even, you know, I think I think they got some things they want to do, especially when when until they get to playoffs. So, roll with Houston minus one and a half. Mm, I like it. I actually do like that. Doubting the Colts again. You said it was one of your worst takes. You're doubting yeah. them again, but I still I know like if they if they pull it <laughs> off on, on Saturday, versus I mean the Colts are at home, which ultimately probably is you know another factor that would probably lean that way but i think houston is just a better ball club all around so who knows we'll see we'll come back on sunday and we'll say hey you were right or man you know you shouldn't have doubted your original take (laughs) (laughs) you've been down Um, them all year and they still proved that you made the poor decision yeah so for the third down breakdown we're gonna break down a, a raven's third and goal play Right, this is huge because it scored a touchdown. It really put the Dolphins away. The Dolphins needed to force a field goal here. It's later in the game, ten minutes to go. Baltimore's up thirty-five, nineteen. You know, the touchdown pretty much puts it out of reach. The field goal maybe keeps the Dolphins still in it. So, this is great play design by Todd Monk, and this is what I was talking about when I said it was the best thing they could have done to get him there. All right, they're going to be in a tight two-by-two set with a detached tight end here, right? And that's actually their fullback, Pat Ricard, playing tight end there, okay? You're going to motion the slot across. I believe that's Rashad Bateman. Uh, Actually, it might be Zay Flowers there. Zay Flowers is going to come across. He's going to run the little flat route off the motion. You're going to see Odell Beckham run the corner route, so you're getting a little smash combo to the front side. Backside, Rashad Bateman's going to run the under, but he's going to run it right in front of the backers who are all sitting at the goal line just to attract yeah. their eyes. Their goal is to get all this movement going this way to the fr- the, the boundary side. Then they're just going to have Pat Ricard block 1,001, 1,002, and leak, yeah. just tight end leak to the backside. Now you'll watch the Dolphins are in a, a um, low red cover three concept. So you've got hook, hook, flat, Flat, third, 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 right? His job, Jalen Ramsey, is to play the fade ball to the back corner of the end zone. Same thing for him. You've got a middle of the field safety who, in this case, is just a robber. And then you've got four underneath players who are supposed to take anything sitting right on the goal line and to the flat, right? So you'll see what happens, though, when you run this concept, all of their eyes get taken to the boundary side, right? You can see everyone's yeah, eyes are going here. Already all get, looking left. Rashad Bateman isn't even running around. He's just trying to run in front of these guys, their eyes. Yeah. You can see the flat defender and Jalen Ramsey are being taken across. Now, yeah. <clears throat> most times, low red cover three concept, I'm going to say that you're, you're teaching Jalen Ramsey to stay on top of this, and the flat defender needs to just let him pass and stay disciplined to the backside for the tight end leak. That defender, you'll see. He goes with it too long. Now look at Pat Ricard. Just a little touch pass. <clears throat> Wide open. Yeah. Wide open. And you're getting the fullback some love in the end zone, right? <laughs> um, <clears throat> once again, you see it from the top view. It's great stuff. I mean, Pat Ricard really sells it with the block. 1,001, 1,002, Oh, now I'm going to leak. And then the O-line is able to hold for that three seconds to give Lamar yeah. the time to find him, to let it leak out. 
and find him. That's a just great play design by Todd Munkin. You have to get creative in the red zone because the field is condensed defensively. It's just it's easier to play to play defense in that area just because you know you don't have to guard the deep ball. There is no deep ball, right? Yeah. But when teams get creative, they scheme things. <clears throat> they give you action in front of your face that distracts you from your job. Um, mm-hmm. It's really good stuff from Todd Munkin. So, uh, and that's part of why the Ravens are the one seed and they have one of the better offenses, more efficient offenses in the NFL this year. I think we've seen that kind of in the Bama game too. We had the dude point like, yo, that's your guy. And then they, they threw it right there. And that was like a touchdown. <clears throat> it's very similar concept to what Michigan ran on fourth and two. They just ran it with the back. I mean, anytime you can get all the action coming one way, and then yeah, leak someone behind it. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> it's always good stuff. Oh, you like how I called out the Bama game? I didn't realize it was the Michigan game. You know what I mean? <laughs> Let's see. Fourth down, my bad beat from last week. So I had a tough time actually finding one this week. It was the only one I could have thought of on my own was Justin Jefferson Yards. I had him over like 78 and a half. And he only got like 55 or something. But... One I found was the Patriots game, actually, kind of unfortunate. I guess the spread was either three or three and a half, depending when you got it. And Mac Jones took a safety late in that game versus the Raiders, where they were down two. Got a safety with a minute 47 on the clock. Now they're down four, and that either hit in your favor or messed you up and you lost because you thought that was going to be a closer game than expected. So... I saw that one out there that I kind of felt bad for people because especially late in the game, getting a deep safety like that, that's tough. You can't you can't deal with those, you know. Yeah, that is a uh, that is a bad beat. Uh, a lot of people were upset that Michigan Alabama went to overtime. Mm. <laughs> the uh, over under on point totals there, <clears throat> but let's get to the banger of the week, Jody. What do you got for us? First one of 2024. Ooh, so this one I'm rolling with. Nicki Minaj dropped an album in the middle of December. I don't really remember when. But I had listened to it like the day it dropped at the gym. And then hadn't really come back to it since just because I hadn't done leg day. So I kind of just <laughs> listened to it at once. And then so I, I brought it back full circle like a couple days ago. And the one I'm going to give you from her album is Barbie Dangerous. She has a lot of songs that are like like sampled from other songs in the past like on this album especially and this one's notorious thugs if you know that like melody that one's like she kind of even like raps the same way to the way they do it on that song and so barbie dangerous only like two minutes i think from Nicki minaj's album i couldn't tell you the name of that it's something weird i think but yeah that's what that's the first banger of the year right there Nicki minaj all right um Nicki Minaj, go listen. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, to close us out with a banger, we got our guy Ray Ray. Close, take us home. First one of 
I've been working, I've been putting music online. I've been patient, but I'm sitting on a gold mine. Gold mine, I had it since I'd have known time. Gotta rewind to understand my punchlines. In the past, I was overlooked, usually. Been the underdog player, this ain't nothing new to me. I can see the competition worry, so they stop and listen. I promise ain't no politicking with the opposition. This is something different, I'm something you've never seen. Writing lines and touching minds with every stream. Six feet, very beats to say hollow and Apollo. I promise I'll be the hardest like to follow. I make way for the chosen one. Listen to the passion, many on the sun. One's up in the air if you know something. Better tell them make way for the chosen one. Make way for the chosen one. Listen to the passion, many on the sun. One's up in the air if you know something. Better tell them make way for the chosen one. Back home and the vision got them all dripping. I see the change, let me break it down, sit and listen. See where I'm from, they don't make it to the finish line. They have a dream, but they give up on it every time. So when they see me, they don't treat me like they used to. Probably because they witnessing something that they ain't used to. I am not the usual, I am an anomaly. I'm just trying to multiply my paper like Monopoly. Code us out probably, will he make it possibly? Honestly, I'm tripping, man, name somebody that's stopping me. This already written, I'm just living on my prophecy. Regardless of what happened here tonight, I'll still be popping beat. <laughs> man, I did this on my own too. Put myself in this position on my own too. You know who you are, I don't need to expose you. I'm looking at everybody who got it like I told you. Make way for the chosen one. Listen to the passion, man, he on the sun. One's up in the air if you know something. Better tell him make way for the chosen one. Make way for the chosen one. Listen to the passion, man, he on the sun. One's up in the air if you know something. Better tell him make way for the chosen one.